1 John chapter 3, and we will read today, starting in verse 13, and we will work all the way out until the end of the chapter, verse 24. I'm reading out of the NLT today. God bless the NASB, but I feel comfortable with the NLT, and we're going to be there today. So, this is what the word of the Lord says, starting in verse 13. So don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. If we love our Christian brothers and sisters, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life with them. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth, so we will be confident when we stand before God. Even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings, and he knows everything. Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence, and we will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him and do the things that please him. And this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. Just as he commanded us, those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him and he with them. And we know he lives in us because the spirit he gave us lives in us. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, as we say, God, um, you know all things, God. Would you show us how to love better? God, I ask today that your spirit would just be poured out onto all of us, God. I pray especially for me, for my heart, my tongue, my lips, my thoughts, Lord. Would you just, Lord, I surrender them to you. I want to be used by you. I want to learn along with my brothers and sisters. I want to hear from you along with them, God. So, Lord, just open our hearts, open our minds to receive what you have for us. And at the end, God, we want to be more transformed and changed by you, not by man. But we want to hear from the living God today. So, Lord, will you just give us the willingness to receive you? But at the end, God, would you give us the strength to respond to what you desire us from us to do? We trust you, God, because you are our only pastor. <laughs> You are our head pastor, and we trust you, Lord. So let us stand in confidence before you right now. Thank you, Jesus. And we ask these things in the name of your Son. Amen. Well, every family has its own problems. It doesn't matter how close they might be. It doesn't matter if they have the perfect life or not. It doesn't matter if they have a big house, a small house, a medium house, no rooms, three rooms, five rooms. It doesn't really matter. Every single family has its own problems. Every single family has its own adversities. Things that we need to 
go through, fight through, deal with. And especially when there are several people in the family. Us Mexicans know that very well. We love people. We love to be around people. And it seems like the parents are like, the more the better. Don't get that. But yet, it makes a challenge where there's a lot of people in which we've got to deal with. As you're growing up, everything is good and dandy. As you're little, you have fun with your siblings. Everything's great. But as you start getting older, things change. Things are the same. There's different personalities, different attitudes, different things that you've got to deal with. Conflicts come in different seasons, in different ways. And at the end, every single problem that comes your way, it will test how much each person values and sees the concept of family. Everybody says family is thicker than blood. We stay together. Yet there's challenges with that. There's conflict with that. The Apostle John makes that point very clear as he mentions Cain and Abel in verse 12. And how there was trouble in the life of those two brothers. Cain and Abel share a lot of things. Number one, they had the same mom and the same dad. Adam and Eve. They had different personalities. Cain worked in the land. Abel was more like in the sheep. He loved to take care of the sheep. The Bible doesn't really show us the physical structure, but I can see Cain be more stronger. Because the work of the land is, requires a lot of labor. They had so many things, different views, different personalities. But one thing they did have in common, the two of them, besides their parents, is that both knew God. Adam and Eve taught them well the communication that they had with God. Cain and Abel spoke with God. They knew what they had to do. They both believed in God. They both knew God. But there was one big thing that set them apart. Cain and Abel. And that was that Abel trusted God. Abel loved God. And yet Cain didn't. Cain knew how to offer God sacrifices. And we see that because he came before God and did what he had to do. But it wasn't the act of the sacrifice. It was the motive behind it. Abel responded to God, giving God the best of the best. Trusting in God by faith. Loving God in obedience. While Cain was not that way. Cain just kind of gave him the leftovers. Here you go, Lord. This is all I got. And at that point, friction came between the two brothers. Cain started harboring more anger and resentment towards Abel. He didn't know how to handle it. Gosh, have you ever experienced that in your own family? One brother kind of does the best things that you do, and then all of a sudden there's a little jealousy. I went through that. We only have, there was only four of us, two, two girls, two boys, and me and my brother were in the middle ones. And my brother and I are only one year apart. So since we were kids, we started doing a lot of things together, a lot of fun stuff. We did crazy things. But yet, as we got older, we started noticing different things. One of them, my brother was a lot better when he came up here. He was a lot smarter than I was. He would read a book, understand it, comprehend it, no problem. I was not that gifted. I, I hated school. It was a challenge for me. And yet, my brother excelled in all that stuff. And all of a sudden, I was like, dude, he's an idiot. Why is he better than me? Why did he learn so fast? And we start having conflict. We start having frictions. 
And the best way for my father to handle that, wonderful boxing gloves. <laughs> At first, it was fun. You know, hey, you punch it. Yeah, I got you. And these and the other. But as we got older, you know, I was this skinny, goofy-looking guy in Mexico. I was fragile, very fragile. But yeah, my brother was a lot stockier, more heavy. So my brother still had his way with me. But as we got older, it wasn't just about fun. Also, in that anger that I had, all that, all that envy that I had through my brother, I started really showing it. And I wanted blood. And the more, the better. So those, those gloves didn't actually solve the problem. It actually created more problem because it was a way for me to really get it on with my brother. And then we would get out on the street on neighborhood, and all our friends will circle around us, and then we'll fit off. we feed from that. Hit him, hit him. Oh, he got you. Hit him again. And it was the worst. And then we would come home all bloody and yet more angry, more hateful. Something changed in that. And we see that with Cain and Abel. Cain was jealous and envy of Abel. Why? Because he loved God. God knew exactly the heart of Cain and came to help him with those areas of his heart. And we see that beautiful picture in Genesis when God comes as a loving father trying to have a dialogue with his son. Trying to really help a son out. Show him the way. And we see that because God comes down and start, starts asking Cain, why are you so angry? Why did you look dejected? There, there was something in Cain's heart that it was just bigger than, than anything. That hate, that envy, jealousy. And God comes down and God is asking him and trying to give him a way out. Then God says to Cain, if you do what is right, hey, you will be accepted. If you do what is right, you're going to be okay. But if you don't, watch out, says God. If you don't watch out, sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. Sin is right there, knocking at your door, waiting to come and get a hold of your heart. So that you will continue on in that state of anger and envy, jealousy. But then, here's a wonderful advice of the Heavenly Father. But, Cain, you must subdue it. Cain, you must control it. In fact, you be the master of it. Gosh, we see that passion of heart telling Cain, I got the answer. I'm giving you an option. I'm giving you a way out. If you do what is right, you will be okay. You will be accepted. You will be happy. In fact, I'm giving you control over that that's in your heart. And from that moment, all Cain had to do was make a choice. He had to make a choice. I, was, I had to make a choice. Either I put the gloves on or I just kind of walk away. Be happy with who I am. No. I put those things on. God gave Cain a choice. A, keep the anger, keep on feeling dejected, keep feeling jealousy, or, or start doing what is right, son. Gosh, 
I have a 21-year-old. Do I say that so many times? Hey, you got a choice. If you start doing what is right, you will be happy. I relate with God so many times with this. But see, here's the thing. It wasn't that Cain hated Abel. They were brothers, and there was the, the brotherly love. But it wasn't that Cain hated his brother as a person. What Cain hated, it was the actions that Abel was doing. It was the behavior of Abel. That's what made him feel anger and dejected. Why? Because Abel was doing all the right things. It was the actions behind Abel, not the person. How many times have you heard that say, that say that says, hate the sin and not the sinner? I hate that all the time. I hear this. I'm sorry. I hear it all the time. Hey, somebody did something to you. Oh, hate the sin, not the sinner. Oh, awesome. <laughs> I guess that's it. I will hate the sin. Perfect, right? We, we solved the problem. It seems and it sounds a lot more easier than done. But see, that's exactly where John is leading us in verse 13. Do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. Do not be surprised if they dislike you. It's, it's, it's something about us. It's something about the person who has the presence of God that is kind of like weird. Right? John says that clearly in his gospel in chapter 7. He says, Jesus says this. The world cannot hate you. But it hates me because I testify of it. That its deeds are evil. Look what Jesus is saying. The world will not hate you. They hate me. <laughs> because I come and I show them their state of their hearts. I, I show how deceitful they are. How wicked they are. And that's the thing. You know how many times I, I want to hang out with people. But then when we can hang out, like, okay, let's hang out, let's do stuff, but let's just not talk about your God. We'll do things, let's, yeah, but let's not talk about God. There's something about that I just, ah. There's something about us that God changes our heart. But when someone does not see that, does not feel that, it's because they're so caught up with what is going on in their hearts that they just don't want to deal with it. I'm, I'm going through some anger. I'm, I got, that's exactly what happened with Cain. God came to show the light, but Cain is like, I don't want to deal with it. I have so much anger. I'd rather stay here, but don't you come near me. I see that so many times. We just start showing love. When God is in our hearts, we just start demonstrating the, the love of God for others. You start smiling. People are like, why are you smiling? You look dumb. It's okay. I know God. He loves me. I love hugging people. And every time I go to my dad's house, my dad's like, oh, get the too, too many hugs. Get away. <laughs> That's my father. I say hi to my dad. Like, come say hi. He doesn't even get up on the couch. He's just like, <laughs> come here and give me a hug, dad. He shakes his hand like this. Okay, get off. Let's see you later. And I'm just like, come on, let's, let me give you a hug. And, but see, I see my father like, God, if he only knew God better, it saddens me. There's something about God 
that people just don't, don't want to deal with it. You know why? Because God is going to expose those things that, we are, that we're keeping in our hearts. And sometimes we're just not ready to deal with them. Sometimes we just rather just stay where we are. And that's what we got to trust God because, listen, doesn't matter whether you talk about God or not. If he's in you, you're going to be radiant about Jesus. And if, the fact that you're going to go and give someone a hug, Jesus will work in that. Jesus will be faithful with that. Jesus will work no matter what the circumstances are. He will do, he will do what he does best, transform the heart of man and woman. Whether you want to or not, the minute you, get a, you cross paths with someone that loves Jesus, it will affect your life. Either you're going to hate him because he's too much joy, or you're going to ask, what do you have that I don't have? Jesus said it clearly in the Gospel of John. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world. But people love the darkness more than the light. For their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it. For fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. That's why Jesus came and that's why they hated Jesus. Because Jesus came to do what other people were supposed to do. The Pharisees, they were responsible to teach about God, the love of God, the compassion of God. But yet they fail. And there he comes, this simple man, a carpenter. And all of a sudden, he starts showing the things they have never seen before. He starts showing compassion. He starts starts showing love, healing the sick, feeding the hungry. What happened with the Pharisees and the Jews? They hated him. Why? Dude, you're stepping into my work area. What are you doing? See, what Jesus did, it exposed the heart of all those men. How wicked they were. And you know what? They hated it. It made them feel uncomfortable. Isn't that what Jesus does with us? The minute you start feeling uncomfortable, watch out. God is in the midst of your lives. He's doing something. And be ready. Be ready. And when Jesus makes the reference about our actions being evil, it does not necessarily mean evil and perverse actions. I mean, I don't, I don't need to go and hang out with thieves and murderers and rapists. Because sin is so much broader than that. If we look at the book of Ephesians, look what the author of Ephesians says. And... Don't sin by letting anger control you. Right off the bat. Hey, you have anger in your heart? You're sinning. (laughs) Whether you like it or not. You are sinning. Don't let anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the enemy. Later on in chapter 4, he goes on to say Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. I know a lot of people say, well, I'm a good person. I'm not out there stealing. I'm not out there killing people. I'm not out there raping. There's a lot of people that are worse than me. Therefore, I am okay. Listen, it's not so much about the action. It's the thoughts. It's the heart. It's your mind. 
where you are. You have anger, you have resentment, you have bitterness in your heart. I'm sorry to say this, but you are sinning against God. You are in the wrong end. It's not your actions that God wants. God wants your heart. This is not what God tells Samuel in the first book of Samuel. People look in the outside of man, but what does God do? He looks into the heart of man. Because that's what God wants. If it's all about actions and deeds, but yeah, well, let's just get on with it and see who gets the best. But that's not what Jesus came to do. That's why they hated him. Because Jesus came to transform and change the heart of men and women. And once he starts accomplishing that, people start hating him. Why? Because it exposed, it exposed anger, exposed harsh words, slander, exposed all types of evil behavior that was going on. And every single one of these emotions are an indication of being a spiritually death. Every single thing that's inside, it's, a, it's an indication of whether you are dead or alive in your heart, in your soul. Man, I used to be the life of the party. I love, I love going out. And I used to get paid and I used to spend all my paycheck. And the minute I will walk in, you guys ever saw that show, Cheers? Every time Norm walked in, Norm! Well, every time I walked into the club, hey, Lalo, here comes Lalo, hey, let's party, drinks, drinks. It was so much fun. But then I would go to my home and the next day I was so dead inside. I was so empty. I wasn't happy with myself. I wasn't happy the way I was living. I had anger. I envy a lot of people that show happiness. I was like, oh. But then night came and there was my, my, ex, my exterior appearance. I'm good. I'm happy. But I was so dead inside. I didn't know how to, claim, how to call for help. I was dying. And I was just trying to survive little by little. And then I heard the good news, the gospel. And listen, brothers and sisters, at one point, each one of you were in that state of death. Whether you want to face it or not. Some of you have passed it, but there might be some of you that's still in that place right now. How is your heart? Are you fully content with where you are, with what God is doing in your life, or are you still holding resentment? You're still holding anger, envy, jealousy. And if you are, let me tell you, you are still in the place of death. There's always been the battle against good and evil. We see that from the beginning. God wants to do good for humanity, Adam and Eve, and it comes the evil one. Destroy that. Ruins that plan. Man fell on sin, and therefore we inherited that. Now we have separated from God, but then here comes God to give us the victory. God tried to show Cain the victory when he told him, hey, you must subdue sin. You must control it. In fact, master it. Dominate it. He didn't know how to do it, but listen, brothers and sisters, for us, the path has been a lot easier. Why? Because Jesus has given us that victory. Amen. All we're going to do is just step in. Walk into the victory. Say, yes, Lord. I will master it. I will subdue it. 
Satan is here to rob us from the joy of the Lord. To keep us slaves to our emotions and feelings. That's what Satan does best. He traps us into our emotions and our feelings. Jesus gives a new reach and satisfying life. We see that in the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 10. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My, pur- my purpose, excuse me, is to give them a rich and a satisfying life. That's what Jesus came. To give us the new path. To change our position from being dead in sin to a new position of being alive. Abundantly rich. And the way Jesus gives that rich and satisfying life is by doing exactly the opposite than what people expect. It's doing the reversal than what society expects in the enemy. We saw that because when Jesus came, a simple man, a carpenter, and all of a sudden what Jesus starts doing, he starts loving the unloved. Jesus came to hang out with the rejected, the cast out. Jesus came to be with the sinner, not with the righteous. Even nowadays, society expects the the new thinking about how life is supposed to be. There's a lot of people that are living this world expecting just to pass from life to death. There's a lot of people that that's the process of life. That's the rhythm of life. We're here and now we got to from here pass to death. But Jesus even comes and changes that. Because Jesus comes and he gives us life while we are still death. He reverses the cycle. We don't need to wait. He comes and gives us a beautiful life, eternal life. But brothers and sisters, in order for you to understand that, you must recognize one thing. First of all, you have to recognize your your state of death in your sin. You have to acknowledge where you are in your heart. It's not your actions. This is the desires of your heart. You got to recognize that. Where am I right now? Where am I right now this morning in my heart? Where do I have anger? Where do I have resentment? Where do I have jealousy, envy? It could be to other men. It could be even maybe to God. But once you acknowledge that, then the process of moving from death to life, it becomes a lot easier. The hard part is seeing that within ourselves. The hard part is really looking to our hearts and see where we are, being honest with ourselves. I love what James says. Don't be like that guy that looks himself in the mirror and he turns around and he forgot what he saw. How many times can you look yourself in the mirror and really look at yourself and say, this is who I am? You know how many times I look myself in the mirror back in the day, and I hated what I saw. I hated every time I saw the reflection. And every time you change, every time you come more into the Lord, into the light, you add it to change. Everything changed, and that's why the world might hate you. I remember when I came here, after 20-some years, I didn't want to go to Mexico. And my wife kept pushing me. You should go. You should go. And I'm like, no, I don't want to go. 
I did too many bad things in Mexico. I just don't want to go. I was afraid. But you know, when wife says, you do. <laughs> so I went. I went back for three days and, you know, it was scary. Because I was afraid to encounter things that I have done over there. And I remember when I got there and I started seeing my old friends, they were still doing things that we were doing when we were 13. I mean, I was like, Dan, you still doing this? Wow. And there they are, like, putting everything in front of me. Come on, have a good time. And I was like, no, I'm good, thanks. And right away, like, oh, yeah, you think you're white. Yeah, look at you. You don't want to hang out with us. You're too white now. (laughs) And there was a little barrier, you know, but I was like, you know, they start seeing something different in me. I I didn't, to give in, I I didn't have to give in to that. And I was very proud of that. I'm like, man, I don't miss that. Thank you, Jesus. But for them, some of them were uncomfortable, and there were a few that were very happy for me. And that's what Jesus does. But again, the first step for us is to recognize where we are in our sin. What is your state of sinfulness in your heart right now? And you have to be absolutely honest with yourself. That's the hardest part, to face ourselves. Jesus never said it would be easy. In order for us to get to that process of death to life, it requires obedience. It requires perseverance. It requires surrendering to God. And listen, those are tough things. Most of us are like, Lord, I'll give you one of the three, God. One I can do. The three, I don't know. That's a little hard. Obedience, perseverance, surrendering, that's hard. But see, then we got to look into the example of Jesus. Because that's exactly what Jesus did for us. That's what John refers to that in verse 16. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. Jesus saw us sinful, full of sin, but yet he didn't hate us. He came and offered himself for us. Just the way God was giving Cain a solution, a way out, Jesus comes into the world, sees our sinfulness, but yet still loves us. That He says, listen, I'm going to make it a lot easier for you. I'm going to put myself on the cross for you. I will put all my blood out there to cleanse you and make your path a lot easier. You think that was easy for him? Do you actually believe that was easy for him? To see the state of humanity, the sinfulness, the hate towards him, and yet accept the cross. To show love. It required obedience. It required perseverance. And required surrendering. That's what he did. Do you know that Jesus is more concerned about your eternal life than your worldly life? Jesus is way more concerned about the state of your soul than you living a comfortable life here. He cares about you so much that he wants you to have eternal life. Jesus never came so that we could live a single life of comfort. You think that Jesus came so that we could gather Sundays, circle up, hold hands and sing Kumbaya? Let's try it. 
Kumbaya. You think that's going to change you? Jesus requires way more than that. And he says it clearly in the Gospel of Mark chapter 8. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Brother and sister, what is the value of your soul right now? How much worth is your soul? If you could put a mark on it, a dollar sign, what would you put in it? See, it's not about comfort. If you want to be a follower of Christ, you must know that it's not about you. It's not about just believing. You can believe a lot of things if you want. I believe with all my heart that Mexico will win the soccer championship. <laughs> what did that got me? <laughs> I get I believed. I was sure they're gonna get it. See, you can believe so many things. You can believe that you can fly. Try it. See how far you get. If you want to be a follower of Christ, if you want to follow Jesus and save your life and put a value on your soul, which is more valuable than gold, then you will deny yourself. You will go to Venezuela for 20-some years and serve. Renounce the culture, the comfort. I'll tell you one thing. They're probably more rich than any of us. That's what Jesus is asking you to do. Because Christ loved us yet while we were still sinners. And now that we have passed to a brand new life, we must do exactly what Jesus did. Face those that hurt us the most. See, Jesus knew exactly who the Pharisees were. He loved them. He came to give his life for them. And yet, they were the ones screaming, crucify him. That wasn't easy for him. To come and face those that were hurting him. Those that were accusing him. Those that were creating false testimonies about him. Lies about him. Jesus came and faced every one of them. All of us have been hurt at one point in our lives. Every single one of us has been hurt at one point in our lives. All of us at one point or another have been treated unfairly. Due to the selfishness and sinfulness of those around us. And to do what Jesus is asking us to do. Gosh, this is extremely difficult. Is it not? Hey, love one another as I have loved you. I don't know about that, God. (laughs) I've been hurt too much. How can I love that person? Trust me, it's a difficult process. It's painful. I still deal with it. Just because I'm standing here before you doesn't mean that I got to figure it out. Listen, right now at this state and age, I'm still dealing with that. There's one person that has done a lot of hurt in my home. 
He's done a lot of things to my daughter. He's affected my home for the past 15 years. And I don't like the guy. I'll be honest. There's been time that I asked God, Lord, just give me five minutes with this guy. I can get it done in three minutes, but just give me five. I struggle with that. Am I a true follower of God? Hate the sin, not the sinner. I know he's a good man. I've seen him before. I've met him before. He's a good guy. But then why does he do the things that he does? I don't understand it. And there are times that I want to rip him apart. Thank God he doesn't live in Carpinteria. <laughs> that will be a whole different story. It's hard to do what God is asking us to do. And that's when, brothers and sisters, we need to make a choice. That's when we need to make a choice. Pretty much for me, my choices are this. Do I abide in my anger? Remain in the past hurt? Enslaved to the bad memories? Do I continue to dwell in residing in my anger and frustration? Do I continue with my attitude of resentment and allow that to grow more and more? Or do I abide in Christ and allow his love to take that away from me? Do I remain and need to continue in the presence of the Lord? I must continue to dwell and to reside in the house of the Lord. I must continue more than anything with my attitude of gratitude because above everything else, I am abundantly blessed. I have to make a choice. And brothers and sisters, you have to make a choice. Yes, it's difficult and challenging. But that is, one, that is when we have confidence in God's grace. Listen to me. That is when you, when you have heard the good news of the gospel, when you know about Jesus, that's when you now rely and rest upon the grace of God for him to do the work and not you. It is through the grace of God that we are able to love our brothers and sisters in genuine way. When we abide in the Lord, we operate under the grace of God and above everything else with the power of the Spirit of God in us. John is writing to a group of believers that heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and yet they were not abiding in Christ together as a church. Something happened with that group of believers. In the beginning, they were all for Jesus Going together, but then something came in between that church that brought friction, separation, envy, anger, jealousy. And John is trying to very sweetly but firmly bring them back into the presence of God. Maybe at one point they were actually singing Kumbaya. They were not remaining in the presence of the Lord. They actually stepped out of it. They were not dwelling, residing in the house of the Lord together as a church. The attitude changed, and now the church was divided. Brothers and sisters, the question for us is this. Are we a church that is abiding in Jesus? And if we are, are we loving those around us 
inside and outside the church building, not with words, but with actual deeds. It's hard. But see, that's when now verses 19 through 22 comes into effect. Let's read them together. Verse 19 through 22 says this. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth, so we will be confident when we stand before God. Even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings, and He knows everything. Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence, and we will receive from Him whatever we ask because we obey Him and do the things that please Him. If we are a church that is abiding in Christ, and more than anything, remember this, brothers and sisters, that the church is not us together. You are the church. You're supposed to be the church, not just Sundays. You're supposed to be the church Monday through Saturday, reflecting, exposing more of God to society. You're supposed to be the light of the world. You're supposed to be the salt. That is the church. So my question again, as a church, individually and congregation, are we abiding in Christ? If we are, that means that we're trusting in God's grace. And if we are trusting in God's grace, then we can be loving indeed and truth. And that is how we know that we are actually of the truth. When you start loving those around you, not just by words, but with deeds, you know then in your heart, I am of the truth. I am the living son. I'm the son of the living God. Restore, transform, renew. There will be times, brother and sister, that the inner voice that you have, you know that voice, right? Have you heard it? It's like Tom and Jerry. Have you seen those cartoons? You got the little white guy and the little red guy over here. And the white guy is trying to get him to do the right thing, but then the evil one's like, no, 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 go chase the mouse. You know? You hear that voice, or am I the only one? <laughs> then I'm crazy. Lord, help me. But listen, there will be times that you're going to hear the inner voice. And that's the inner voice of your heart, which is going to accuse you and convict you. The pain is too much. Don't go there. The pain is too much. Or there may be times that you're going to hear, there's no way you're able to love at that capacity. You're not made for that. You hear those voices? You just, you just don't feel like taking that step because it's difficult? See, that's why God knows you better than you know yourself. And because he knows you so much better, that's exactly where God wants you to go. Because it is in that place where he is going to work best in your life. It is in that place where he's going to manifest his power in your life better than you've ever seen him. And that's when you have confidence before God. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Brothers and sisters, and for that, it, requir it requires a heart 
at ease before God. You need to put your heart at ease before the Lord. Again, that conviction of your heart, this is too much. I don't want to go there. My wife asked me that question, really, how do you feel about this guy? Like, And this text puts so much conviction in my heart. I need to put my heart at ease with that. I need to let it go. I need to let it go. And by me doing that, and by all of you guys doing that, the result is that God will hear our prayers and he will answer them. God will hear our petitions and he will bless us more abundantly. He will hear us and pour out his love even more more onto us. And by doing that, that's when we start actually being obedient to what God asks us to do. Verses 23 and 24. And this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him and he with them. And we know he lives in us because the spirit he gave us lives in us. We must believe in the son. You must be a true follower of Christ, which means you're giving all of yourself to Him. Not just believing, you got to really surrender. you got to pick up your cross. It's not easy, but that's when you come fully in confidence with God that God will be your strength. He will make all things happen. He will arrange your life. Even in adversity, He will be your strength. And then we will start really loving one another. Not just by words, by in deeds. Not to boast of ourselves. If you see a guy, homeless guy, the entrance of McDonald's, just give him a couple bucks. It's not going to be like, oh, look at me. I'm better than you guys. It's not that. It's just the fact that you give something to the needy. God comes on your heart and blesses you and transforms you in such a way that you cannot talk about yourself, but you can only talk about God. This whole change in my life started when I went to one single trip to Tijuana. And God showed the need of the people over there and the brokenness and the pain and the darkness. And instead of coming happy with what I've done, I came more broken. I was uncomfortable. I couldn't stop crying when I got to my house. My wife's like, what happened to you? What did they do? There's so much need. There's so much need. And that was it for me. I couldn't walk away. And that's when you know you are of the truth. We know we remain in him because faith and love show that we have been given the spirit of God. Brother and sister, you don't know if the spirit of God is in you. You can easily see that. If you abide in Jesus, where there was once anger, now there isn't. Now you control it. You have the self-control. Before you couldn't give to the needy, now you give gladly. Those are signs of the Spirit being in you. You must acknowledge that. Jesus says this in the Gospel of John, and we will close with this. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. 
I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one in this to lay down one's life for one's friends. Brother and sister, are you ready to give your life for your friend? Because that was God's call for all of us. Are you ready to do that? And if any of you do not believe in Jesus fully, today is a day. Today is a day to place your trust in Jesus. Today is the day in which you can pass from a state of being dead into a state of being fully alive. Brother and sister, today is a day to exchange sadness for joy. Brother and sister, today is a day to change your anxiety for peace. And more than anything, brother and sister, today is a day to exchange our anger towards love. What love's got to do with it? Everything. Love's got to do with everything. There's adversity. There's opposition. But if we abide in Christ as a church, then the joy of the Lord will be with us. Oh, how much I desire for that. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the example of your son, Jesus, God. Thank you that you loved us so much that yet while we were still sinners, you still sent your son to die a horrible death for us. Thank you that through him you give us a way out, Lord, from being dead. And you, you place us into a position where we can have a rich and abundant life in you. Would you help us right now, Lord? Father God, would you expose those things in our hearts that are being an obstacle for us to walk straight unto you, Lord? Father, I ask for your spirit to just pour out conviction right now. Lord, we don't want to be a church that just feels great. We want to be a church that's being convicted by your word, that we can be changed by it, transformed by it. It's not about feelings, God. It's about the heart of each one of us, God. Lord, I pray that right now, by the power of your spirit, we will get, over, get out of our comfort. And we will respond. Forgive me. Forgive me, God for what I've done, for my anger. I'll be the first one to say, Lord, I'll give it away. It's yours. Now, Lord, I ask that you do the same for my brothers and sisters, that we will live today being transformed by you and abiding in you together and individually as well, because we want your love and your joy to remain in us, God. We pray this in your son. Amen.